So full energy from bed right here Cause they're my enemies Subscribe and like, rate and review Your hosts of the day be Couple guests too We're gonna win a trophy when overdue Can we do the double make it deja vu It's a move London thing Third one is only on the wing Harry's one of our own nine and in He's only got one E but let's see the king And we got Delhi Ali that's talking With the show side, with the show side With the show side's what we sing With the show side, with the show side It's a new flood to me. Yo, 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 yo. It's the Shelf Side Podcast, episode 54. How you doing, Kwabna? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right, man. I'm a little tired, for sure. But... You know, I'm good. Party animal. You give the man a bank holiday weekend and he's tired. What have you been up to? Just visiting the fans, you know, just showing people some love. That's what I'm doing. I'm yeah. a man of the people. Your right hand tired from all those autographs, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is. And, and your cheeks are uh, tired from all that grinning and all smiling. All that grinning and camera. smiling, bro. Exactly, exactly. Okay, all good, all good. Guys, we are the Shelfside Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We are your weekly podcast. We are a fan-based podcast from the fans for the fans. So lock in if you can each and every week. We like to give you a bit of banter, a bit of insight, and a bit of intellect. Uh, So this is episode 54. If you've missed us, you've got 53 episodes to catch up on. So get (laughs) listening. Get listening, bro. Yeah, also, also, I'm going to shout the new cities real quick because we've had a couple that I've missed out on. Um, we've got Falls Church in VA in the States. Do you know it, Kwabna? Where's I know the Falls, States Falls States. Falls States in Virginia? Falls, Falls Church in oh, Virginia. In Virginia. Do you know? No, I don't know Falls Church, no. Okay, cool, cool. And we have the Gold Coast in Australia. Welcome. Okay, welcome, all right, welcome, welcome. Yeah, we love to have you. Yeah, yeah, tell yeah. a friend to tell a friend it's the shelf side podcast 100%, 100%. and last bit of admin before we get into it this week uh, we have the fantasy football league for those who have been following um, Kidalio is still out in front um, 80 points or just under 80 points off the top I am and Kidalio I'm coming for you 5 games left for most so watch out watch this space as long as they're about that club, no, I'm not going to say anything else. You know what I'm not going to say, but we'll just keep it moving. Keep it moving. We keep it moving. Okay, so it feels a bit different. We won a game. Won a game a bit convincing. So how do you feel about that? I mean, I was happy, obviously. Um, always happy to be amongst the goals, get a couple, get a win under, but playing more fluid football. So I didn't watch the game live. I went back and watched it. Um, watched on. Um, I watched the full thing later, um, and I was. I was actually I was happy with quite a number of performances, but it's like you just always have to. I know you can only beat who's in front of you, but Sheffield United are trash. Like they are hot stinking trash. Like they are. But they are. Having said that, we played with a level of. Fluidity and comfort that we haven't seen, and at some points it looked like an exhibition game with some of the finishes that Bale 
putting were just you know spectacular. But yeah, I was happy happy with the result. Um, I guess it also kind of raised bigger questions for me, which we'll get on to later. But um, yeah, all in all, happy with the result. How about you? Yeah, I was I was gonna say after you said it is Sheffield United and they are trash that um, we wouldn't have beaten them for new under Jose, but that's not necessarily true because we did turn over Burnley at home for new, and we did beat Palace. Was it four one at home with Bell yeah. scoring braces in both of those? So we have rolled over some sides. We should have rolled over at home um, under Jose. So. Yeah, I think I think Sheffield United are poor. We beat them three one at their place. But that said, there was a point at one nil whereby I think in the second half it was almost reminiscent of a Jose kind of performance whereby we didn't really score more than the one and they made a few changes uh, at halftime and then they came out the stronger side, it seemed, and pinned us back for albeit five or so minutes, but it did feel like, oh, here we go again because this is exactly what happened at Bramwell Lane when we took the lead and they came out second half and got the equaliser mm-hmm. and then we had to go again. So I did, I did have a fear that that could happen. I mean... We changed up the side. Um, still no Dombele, which we've got to talk about. Um, fullbacks were the same. Centre-halves were the same. Keeper was the same. And I guess the biggest change um, was the incoming of Gareth Bell. So, which kind of is interesting to me because he didn't play in the cup final. And he did come on in the cup final, but didn't start the cup final. And the guy that did start the cup final, um, Winks, was then dropped for Deli Ali, who also came in. So, I don't know, what did you make of those kind of changes? Uh, were you happy with those changes? Did they make sense to you? Can you see a plan, a pattern? I can't necessarily see a plan or pattern. I think... He can obviously put it down to people who are training well, people given good vibe and energy. That's why they've come into the fold. But aside from that, is there any clear justification? I don't think so. Um, I think it's interesting because Dele was given almost no time to do anything um, in the cup final, and then and then he starts, which is like okay, cool. Must have like got after it during training and whatnot, and I think his performance was one. I wouldn't say it was like completely revitalized and whatnot, but he definitely made his presence known and left his, left the mark on the game, right? And that's what you want. Um, I think the persistence with Winks is probably the idea that a lot of people have with Winks, right? If you want to keep the ball, you play someone like Winks because he's tidy, he recycles the ball, blah blah, like. People say he just doesn't lose it. I mean, there's no one. He better, loses it. There's no one better at ball retention than number it. Like, so <laughs> that can't be an argument. Like, I understand that they're saying his form has dropped off and stuff. And cool, his form dropped off. You drop him for a game or whatever, then fine. You slowly start to integrate him. You can't say that because someone had a bad game, then you stop him forever. Because at the end of the day, if that's the case, then why is Gareth Bale playing? Do you know what I mean? Because when his when his when his form dropped off a little bit after he had that really good run. Arguably, he doesn't come back into the fold again, does he? So, I don't think there's any real rhyme or reason. I think this idea of not playing number eight is like, is asinine to me. Because even on his worst day, he provides more than Wings does. 
But the way I see it is Winks is your bridging in it, you're playing him because if he can show me something that Winks can do that Ndombele that can't do, either going forward or defensively, then let me know. But I don't think I got it. He can bang them in from fifty five yards. Ndombele can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ndombele doesn't need to do that though, I guess. He gets he gets us much closer. This guy like yeah, I just, I just, to me, like, what, what, what could be the real justification? And I mean, maybe we're going to get to this later on in the show, but like, we're here now, right? I just don't see how you can come out and say if you, if someone's form is off, that's cool. But the person you replace them with, it's not like their form's doing great. So therefore, are you going to slowly reintroduce him, or is he now done for the season because he had a bad game? It's nonsense. That's that's the that's the interesting fact, and it looks that way because he's not seen any playing time since the Southampton game, and I mean no playing time whatsoever. Um, that seems very strange to me, especially when the Celso goes down and has to be substituted, and he still sees no playing time. There there is a rumor that he's um, respecting Ramadan or serving Ramadan, and I didn't know he was Muslim but he could well be Muslim. Um, and the argument there is that he's never been the best trainer. So therefore, in this period of time, he's probably struggling. But then why is he on the bench? For me, if you're on the bench, you can play. So, especially when you get an injury and your midfielder comes off and you've played in midfield all season. Now, Aurier was respecting um, Ramadan and he played really well. So... And he played the cup final. So I don't know if that is true. I'm just looking, clutching at straws and just hoping that we see Endombele for the rest of the season and he hasn't been written off by Ryan Mason because that would seem very strange and something big would have had to happen rather than just a bad performance. I just feel that at this stage of the season, you're playing the worst team in the league. Someone, A team that's been relegated faster than... Like 90% yeah, of people's record. It's either a joint record. I think it's joint, right, yeah. If you, can't, if you can't use that as an opportunity to get Nembele back to his best and firing, then as the manager, you've missed that opportunity. Because you need talent. If you need him to boost his confidence or whatever, this is the time to do it. Fine, you've dropped him for a, a cup final. All right, cool. That's not fine, but that's what happened. Uh, yeah, but you, that's exactly. Not fine, but that's what's happened. So if you want to move on from that, if you want him to pick his confidence back up, so this is where he came. I don't know if Deli Ali can come in and play against the West team this season. And uh, after having this, I think it's like his third start of the season. Yeah, that's right. right. So someone whose form was so bad he wasn't given opportunity to show form, right? And number they can't even get a sniff. That's just stupid. But it is, maybe maybe right, right, maybe Ryan Mason's trying to show people that you know he's got big bollocks and he's he's here as a manager. Maybe it's a statement. I don't know. Just well, I'll tell you what was a statement. I'll tell you what was a statement. And I agree with you there. I tell you what was a statement was rude hullet light dreadlock extensions from Delhi Ali. Yeah. Um, I think he needs to go full gullet. If he goes hullet and plays that hullet, then he can wear whatever he likes in his hair. <laughs> right? I'll be honest with you because that guy was a beast. Um, I remember the Euro 88 very well in that header and that Van Basten volley so if he can capture that form then go for it if it helps him get back to quintessential Delhi then let's do that but to be fair it wasn't a bad start and he did play really well but so the performance for me was what you would expect to happen if Jose was in charge still I even though um, 
he played better. Would he have played better? I don't know. But if he, if we continued in the same path we were on with Jose, I don't see us winning that game so convincingly. I think it's what we should do. I think um, it was very well executed in terms of when we were in possession and then when we were when they pressed more and we finished them off with our counter attack and I think that was well executed. I'd like to see us on the front foot a lot more because that's what we did. We were on the front foot. There is this question mark though over Bell. Still, he scores a hat trick, and there's still a question mark over him. And it's simply the, I guess, the reason why he didn't play in the cup final, and probably the reason why Jose hadn't been playing him in the bigger games. Because if you look at Bell, he scored what 13 goals. A lot of been great finishes. He's got clever movement. Um, great touch when he's ready and yeah the finishing has just been um, superb but he's still not scored against anybody of real note if you look at the goals he scored 13 of them and they've all come against the lesser sides in the league and in Europe so do you think Bell starts for the rest of the season or do you think he will be a flat track bully and I mean we pretty much got two should be two gimmies and then two tougher away games but what do you reckon? I think he'll play for the rest of the season for sure I think he'll say to himself you know we've got this talent at our disposal and we want to see him the fans want to see him he's on his day he's a very exciting prospect and I think he quite likes the idea of being the the manager who rejuvenated Gareth Bale if there's nothing else on his list of achievements, I think he'd like to have that. So I think we do see him for sure. I think he's, I think he's, he's nailed down star for a season. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree, and I agree with all your points, especially Mason being that guy that rejuvenated him after he was in the doldrums under Jose. He's already kind of stated his preference to Kane and Bell and calling them world class players, etc. And he is has been world class. So I get it. I do get it. So it's going to be interesting then going forward because the likes of Lucas, who's played well under Jose, won't get in. And Dombele looks like he won't get in. Um, but somebody who seems to have shaken off that mistake in the cup final and played really well yesterday, and I think we need to talk about him, is Serge Aurier. Because he had two wonderful assists yesterday. And they weren't, they were, I say wonderful, I think they, that's the best way to describe them because if they were Messi, do, giving those assists, if they were Zidane or Dino, we would be raving about the ball over the top. And it wasn't a long ball. If I say ball over the top, you seem to think of a long ball. So those who haven't seen the goal, be ashamed. But if you haven't seen it, there's this lovely floated ball that goes up and gets down over the Sheffield United back line within a space of 10 yards in order for Bell to run in and finish. It was very difficult technique and Aurier pulled it off with a plomb. And this is what he can give us. And this is the frustrating thing with Aurier. He has ability. He has all the attributes to be a top, top fullback. And he can do things like this. And then the second finish, second assist, sorry, was a run inside when he could have gone outside, but he used a run outside of him and he cut inside, took his time and laid in a perfectly 
weighted pass that Bell could just step onto and finish like 2013-14 Bell. Um, so both can't be underestimated and just want a word on your favourite fullback in Aurier. I think I, think I, I fully agree with what you're saying, like his performance, especially uh, in the circumstances of, of, of Ramazan and, and fasting. And this is the thing, right? Aurier has always been able to give athleticism decent production in the final third. He's he gets underappreciated because of the lapses that he sometimes has, right? So they get held against him all the time. People kind of write off all the good that he actually does. Um, he he had a good game. Uh, to be fair, defensively he wasn't challenged much, but he was there doing a good job of taking care of, of exploiting space, doing it at pace, making smart decisions going forward, um, setting up attacks. Like it was, it was a great performance. I just. It's a shame because even in a performance like that, you look at it and you're like, it still makes more sense to sell Aurier in the summer than to keep him. Which is mad when you think about it. Because every time you get a tune out of him, you're like, no, no, there's a player there. And there's no doubt that there is a player there. But his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. So if you want to get the most out of him, you're better off selling him rather than selling Dorothy, who has by far and away been a disappointment this season right he's been nowhere near Oreo's level nowhere near and that's all of the mistakes that's that worrying it is but if you I didn't think we need to raise funds because we're in a COVID situation and people haven't got money no one's going to no one's going to buy Dorothy no one's going to buy him he hasn't got there's not enough about him to buy him he he looked good in a particular system had a particular manager at a particular time. Taking out Which that we're not going to play. Exactly. And he's taking out that yeah. situation, he's been pants. But then if you take Aurea, Aurea can work in multiple systems, so his value is higher. So when you think about money, you've got to sell Aurea you know, and then keep and keep Doherty on the bench as a as a filler and hope you never have to play it. But how do you replace Aurea if you do that? I mean, this is probably another pod. It's another, it's another pod. It's another pod for sure. But I think the thing about Aurea is that, like, whilst his stock is never going to be higher than it is right now, there are defenders out there who can offer what he does going forward, offer a little bit more defensively, and not make and not have the defensive lapses, not have those okay. erratic moments. They exist. I'm going to come back to you with that, with the options on another pod. But let's talk about the main man. Let's talk about Bell. I mean, there were good performances from Son as well, Reguilón, um, and yeah, the team as a whole played well. I think Kane was actually very poor, but it's unusual, and I can't think of the last time I was supposed to look this up. It's unusual for Spurs to win 4-0. Kane played the full 90 or most of the game and not score or register an assist. I don't think that's happened in a long, long time. Um, But that was largely thanks to um, the performance of Gareth Bell. And... This wasn't Gareth Bell. He scored a hat-trick, but this wasn't Gareth Bell involved in every single thing. Spraying the ball left, right and centre. Lovely little touches in the middle of the park. Tracking back. And we know he doesn't go on all those runs anymore. But this wasn't that Gareth Bell. This was the... 
And you've probably seen this Gareth Bale for Wales, but without such success. But this is the intelligent Gareth Bale who just drifts into intelligent spaces coming from the right, a bit like Son does coming from the left, where Son tends to utilise his pace over the top. Bale makes things happen with intelligent runs, seizing the opportunity to dart into that space. A bit like Delhi, but Delhi comes from a lot deeper. Bell can do it over five or six yards, getting in behind the defenders, and his finishing is second to none once it's on his right left foot. Sorry, and this is the Bell we saw, and we've seen Bell, and we've wanted to see Bell, we've wanted to see this player, especially against these sides that are stubborn, because it gives another option for the defence to worry about. You're already worrying about Kane. It's like in basketball, our second love, Kobner, where you have a superstar being double teamed. Yeah. And then you've got to swing it out. You've got to swing it out to the wide open shooter, right? So when teams are paying attention to Son and paying attention to Kane, no team can pay attention to on-form Son, Kane and Bell with Deli Ali um, knocking around as well. So I think this helps Bell, but I think we need Bell because this is the same thing that Bergwijn has had. This is the same thing that Lucas has had. Kane and Son getting the attention and them getting the opportunities, but they don't finish like Bell. And this isn't Prime Bell, but this is a different variation of Bell. This is Madrid Bell, who's a forward, who can play across the line, who goes left, who goes right, doesn't stick in one position, but ultimately ends up on the other side of the defence and can tuck it away. Like his first finish was just outrageous. Yeah, it was um, mad. So what did you think of um, Bell? And as I've seen in one of my Spurs chats, they um, titled it every week, they titled it something different. And they had Belenciaga as the title. Um, with B-A-L-E obviously the start of Balenciaga I think he's look it was a great um, it was a great performance it was he made it look so easy he made it look so easy and I know know that it's it's different because the the quality of the of the audience of the our position wasn't great but like can I stop you there can I stop you there I just want to stop you there because we put that caveat in, and I know why you put that caveat in. Lamella, Bergwijn. I'm not digging these guys. This is not a dig at these guys because they do offer good value. And I, obviously, everyone who listens to this pod will know that we like attributes of these players, especially Lucas. But Lucas, Lamella, Bergwijn, they have been in this side. They have had these chances. And... They have either probably finished one out of the three or fluffed all three and definitely haven't made it look as easy as Bell did. That, they are world-class finishes. They are world-class moments. No, no, and, and I, I 100% agree with you. Because at the end of the day, right, whether you're, whether you're playing Sheffield United or Barcelona, to hit the top corner like that, like... You still need to have the technique and the ability, which he, he did massively. Like, so all, all the goals were of like, the highest quality, right? And yep. I'll never, I'll never take that away from him. And I think, I, I think it was just, it, it was just a reminder of how classy and effortless it can be for Bell. And yep. yes, I was impressed, and yes, I enjoyed watching the goal. But if I'm honest, my biggest takeaway was the frustration that he hasn't been given the opportunity to do this on more occasions this season. Like yeah. a game against against Brighton that we lose two one, for example. If he's playing the whole game, is the thing different? Because we only need to start playing when he came on after. Like, he's a player who we know for years has done it on the biggest of stages. If he just needs games, 
then give him the games. Like, I feel that it just... I think what this underlined for me was that personal politics and poor man management and trying to psych people out has undermined this whole season. It's undermined this whole season, right? He... Look, Mourinho did it with, with Nombele to a certain extent. He did it with Bale to extent. Like... Delhi, like all that kind of, it's just it was just unnecessary. If you if you had decided that the happier your team are, the more effective they will be in getting results, and decided to build that camaraderie instead of that factitious, toxic atmosphere, our season could be so different. I wouldn't be surprised if we missed out on top four by like three points. That's what's going to happen. You know it's going to happen, and, and you can see it how, how that happens. And how many players? How many players who weren't who haven't been playing could have been the difference between three points or not? It's ridiculous. Well, Bell, Everton, Bell against Newcastle. If he plays in those games, if he starts in those games, is it different? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just dumb. It's just dumb. But I mean, it's like for me, with with that in mind. Well, sorry, I, w- I want to make sure that you haven't got anything else to go on and into in terms of the game. No, no, just just one other thing in terms of the game, and it's a really quick talking point. I don't know if you caught up with it. Was the um, is it Fleck um, incident oh, on the Lacelso? Disgusting, disgusting, deplorable, unnecessary, and the fact that he wasn't disciplined as well. It's just like, what what is the point in having a million referees, having VAR, if you can't do that? Like, if even if now they don't retrospectively punish him. They're failures. They're failures as as, as a a as an officiating organization. Like stamped in his face, and then looked back at him like it was calm. Like it's it's just stupid. It's just stupid. They're very very. There's no like more dangerous play than that. Um, could have had his eyeball out, and there is no notion of it was an accident for me because it was harder to stamp on his face than it was to move out the way, hit his body, or hit the ground with his landing foot. So, and I think he looks at him, but like you say, if they don't retrospectively do it, then there is no hope. I don't think there is much hope anyway, considering they sent off El Buena for that challenge we spoke about, and I think there was another one. Um, mm. What was the other one uh, this week? I can't even think. There was another ridiculous... Oh, the Vestergaard one. On Vardy, did you see yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like, they'll say it's dangerous because he catches Vardy. Well, hold on a minute. If a player is prepared to challenge for a loose ball, there might be contact. Did they ever think about that? And Vestergaard won the ball. He actually won the ball. Mm. And in order to tackle, you have to stretch you have to leave his studs weren't showing I, I don't know hopefully that's been rescinded I don't know I haven't followed it but again it's just like what laws are there today and who is kind of officiating where, where do these people actually learn the game because clearly they don't understand the game that they're refereeing especially when it goes into super slow-mo and maybe these laws are confusing them I don't know but it's, it's becoming a joke and if we had fans in the stand, it would ruin it because these are sending offs that shouldn't be or sending offs that should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but anyway, that's my rant on that over. You you had um, a point to um, move on to. Yeah, I guess for me, when I look at the frustrations that we've seen like from the way in which the team has been managed, 
and where we are at now and also our current our current managerial search and where we're at it's a big question or maybe it's not a big question I don't know you tell me but it makes me wonder is the Tottenham job actually appealing is it desirable if you are a manager if you're a top European manager out there do you look at this job and go yeah I fancy that there's a lot to go in there now before you answer that question let me put some things out there for you the future of the jewel in the crown is in doubt. Yep. We have an aging squad who have more player power than they've ever had before because they're established, but are coming off the back of two poor seasons, if we're being real. Right? Two poor seasons. We have a defence that is not creaking, but is porous. We have we have a midfield currently lacking identity, but there's some talent there for sure. We have a couple of youngsters coming through, but it's not like we have a burgeoning academy. There's no finance. There are no finances to really speak of, and you're dealing with a micromanager at times in Daniel Levy, who is as amazing a business as is as frustrating a chairman at times as he is amazing a businessman. So when you look at that. And you look at the availability of some of the managers out there. Do you look at this job and say, this is a job I want? No. I don't think you, I, I don't think you look at it and say it's a job you, I want. Um, I, I think it's difficult um, in the current market um, to really assess it. However, I think it's been overplayed somewhat for it to be um, the fact that it's not a desirable job. It, it may not be the job that you immediately say you want, but I think for a lot of managers, they would want it. I think what's happened with the Nagelsmann situation, I think it's unrealistic for us to actually expect to get Nagelsmann over Bayern Munich, the biggest club in the country that he's currently man- managing in. Um, a dream job for most people and one of the biggest clubs in the world. I think it's unrealistic to think Nagelsmann would have come to us if they were the other option, which they were. Then I think the IX manager, I don't think that was even a question because it was out of his hands um, when IX extended his contract because he had they had the option. So again, I, I think that's been overplayed. What I don't think has been overplayed is the Rogers situation. I know there was talk of us going after the Salzburg manager, but how true that was, I don't know. Um, but certainly Rogers, we've mentioned Rogers on this show, and Rogers potentially ruling himself out of the Spurs job was a bit of a kick in the teeth um, for some. But I think we've said on this show, why would you leave Leicester to manage Tottenham? Leicester are arguably a modern top six side. They've won the league not so recently uh, or long ago. And they're in the FA Cup final. They were in the Champions League last season. And they'll be, sorry, not last season, season, a couple of seasons before. And they'll be in the Champions League this season. They've got good players. They recruit really, really well. They've got a chairman who will invest. They've got a brand new stadium and 
they have got a brand new training ground which is equal to our training ground so why would you leave Leicester with a young squad with good recruitment good investment to come to a squad that is aging that has player power like you said and could lose its crown jewels so I think again that's been overplayed but if you look at who's left and who's out there I think they will snap your hand off to get the Spurs job. And that may not be a great indictment um, of the managers that we've got out there left, but of the ones that are out there, I don't think anyone will turn it down the job. So you think if we were to go to Allegri with this, with this opportunity, he takes it? 100%. Hmm. I think Allegri takes it. I think Allegri is smart enough to come in and say, well, if you want me to take this job, I need X, Y, and Z. I don't think Allegri takes it with the restrictions that will actually hinder him. Okay? I think Allegri will be able to sturdy the defence, and I think Allegri will be able to get a few players in that he'll be able to work with in that defence. So, yes, re Allegri. But obviously, there are caveats, because he would need what he needs in order to have a function inside. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know, I feel like when you when you right now, there's no denying that Tottenham requires a rebuild. A rebuild post COVID, a time with no money. I mean, who wants that kind of stress? Who wants that kind of smoke? It's 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 it's, it's asking a lot for someone in a relatively small amount of time within the most competitive league in the world. And I'm not saying, look, these, these managers are managers because they love the game, right? They love competition. They love to push themselves. This is, what they, this is what they live for, right? So there's no denying that. But I also don't want to pretend like I don't know that some, some jobs out there just look like a flipping ball ache. People are like, not on it. They do look like ball aches. I, I do get that. But at the end of the day, every job, managerial job is filled. Right, there are people that want that job. Let's just say, for argument's sake, the people we're talking about here are Allegri, currently unemployed. Um, Martinez really probably needs to win the Euros this year to keep his job anyway. Not Southgate. Not interested in him as a as a prospect. Yeah, I'm not saying I am either. I'm just saying the people that have been touted, Ragnarek. um, I think this will be. A massive step for him. I know he's won things in Austria and in Germany, but this is a massive club. Um, who else is there? Potter I've mentioned. Obviously, massive step up. Eddie Howe, not employed. I don't know who else has been mentioned, but of those managers, I think, regardless of the current state of affair, if they have the opportunity to potentially work with Kane, Son, Bell, Dombele, Hoybier, have they worked with that kind of level of talent before? All in one side, there is a lot of talent at the club. Yes, we don't have the best youth system in the world and talent at their disposal, but we've still got people like Cessignon, right, to come back. We've still got Skip to come back in. We've got Tanganga, we've got Roden, we've got Delhi still at the club. Yeah, no, um, very good points, very good points. So I think there's, there's enough nucleus there, and everybody knows they come in, 
and they've got to sort out the defence. Everybody knows that. I don't think, maybe, well, maybe Martinez, if he comes in, he's not going to worry about the defence. He's just going to play a 3 4 3 and just, we're just going to attack and play progressive football like he did at Wigan and mostly Everton. But I think that's a given. And what's also a given is Levy knows that as well. So Levy's going to have to back that situation. He may not say there's 100 million, go and revamp the squad midfield forward line, but certainly there will be funds to invest in the centre-halves. At least one centre-half anyway. No, you're right. Let's touch on that. Don't, don't, don't skip that point. Don't skip that point because I think that's very, very I think important. A big part of the issues that we've experienced over the recent period of time have been around the mentality that these players have. At first, it's like you know, how much is it going to be? How much? How willing are they to do what it takes to win? Right? And there's a question about that. There's a question about their mental fortitude. All of these things. So, for me. A manager has come in, not only has to like clear up the mess and do the rebuild, but to build a team in his, his image, right? Like that's really, really important. And how many managers out there who are currently available have the gravitas of which to come through and to leave that footprint on there like really quickly? So to what Tuchel, Tuchel's been doing at Chelsea, right? And I don't know how much how lauded it's been and the applause he's received. But he's been very ruthless at times with the way he's done things, right? And he's really grabbed the role by the top of his neck. And it's in times it's worked. I think largely you can say he's been a success. How many managers are there out there who can come in there with that much, you know, vim, right? Conte is one of those, right? Comes in, likes to put his mark on the game, on, on, the, on the team, like, instantly. Like, we do need a big personality, we need to big personality because yeah, I think we need Allegri over rather than a Potter. I think you're right there yeah. because of all the factors that have to be dealt with. We do, and we need someone who's going to come in and the players are straight away going to sit up and be like, "Look, that guy knows his stuff." Because look, I think a lot of the players knew that there was a risk with Marina. They all knew that, but they also knew that he'd managed some of the best players in the world and taken them to win things. And his record, his record yes. was not to be sniffed at. And I think we still need a player that we still need manager of that ilk. But we just need one without the toxicity, and there are some out there. We just need to we just need to be wise, because I think this is potentially the biggest managerial signing of Daniel Levy's career. This is make or break. Yeah, this 100%. is make or break. Because he's bought, he's yeah. taken Tottenham as far as he can commercially, and from a footballing point of view, he's taken them to the he's taken us to the precipice of success, and we just haven't been able to do it. So now he needs to make a decision as to whether he's going to try and rebuild, or he's going to try and squeeze what he thinks is left of his team. That's even going to be hard, but you know we'll just have to see. Yeah, I I agree with that and and this is why for me it's it's an allegri it's uh conte it's uh not so much sorry but maybe sorry it is a big name manager that i see having to come in to do this job and yeah he may not be long term long term long term but i don't think many managers are long term long term long term uh, anymore um i think klopp and guardiola will probably be the longest serving managers in the modern game in the Premier League um, and they're probably only one bad season Klopp's probably only another bad season away from getting a sack so 
that's where we are with managers. But we certainly need somebody to steady the ship, to get us playing, to get us get, having an identity and to manage the egos and the player power that's already there today, especially if Kane stays. Yeah. Um, and that's why Mason definitely isn't the answer um, because I don't think he can manage the player power who are his mates no. there today. No. But something you touched on with regards to the mentality at the club, it is absolutely rotten in terms of... I saw a, a meme going around and it had us with a trophy and had Dodgers, the word Dodgers, across it. And we do feel like trophy Dodgers. And in my time, <clears throat> in recent years, supporting the club, it does seem like we contrive to lose winnable situations on the biggest platform. Um, and there's a history of it, there's a factors, we come up against good sides, but let's be honest, most finals there's at least a good side in it, right? And they can be beaten. Wigan beat City in the FA Cup. Yes, it may have been a different City may not have played well, but do you know what? We had the situation in the League Cup final. We had 85 minutes on the clock where City should have been out of sight, but they weren't. And it's there where you have to carp the M, seize that moment, create an opportunity, lung-busting run, bit of quality, a bit of endeavour, a bit of anticipation. Get ahead of your man, get inside your man, finish under pressure, win the day. But we haven't been able to do that. And... And something needs to change. And yeah, maybe Enoch do need to go. I think they do. I think it's time now. I think they put us in a great position. And I think it's time to hand the keys over. But let's get a decent manager in. Absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. But yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got. I think the job has appeal, but maybe not the most appealing. Mm. Yeah, I mean... It's hard to argue with that. And I think it's... I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what happens now. We'll see so it's there for now. you to throw your hat in the ring, Kwabna? I mean, I'm... You know I'm ready. I'm ready to serve. At the end of the day, it's theirs to do. And if they've got real bollocks, they'll call me. <laughs> That's it. That's it. If you want, if you want problems Keep... solved, you call the best. Take your phone off silent, will you? Yeah, you do know that what? for me, yeah? Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. I need to do that. Yeah, you tell, you tell your mate Daniel... If he wants to, get, if he wants to get, if he wants real change, if he wants real change, it's down my number, mate. Down my number. But um, yeah, that's what uh, all we've got uh, time for today. We appreciate you listening. Um, you can follow us on Shelf Pod at Twitter um, for all of our musings around everything that is Tottenham Hotspur. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. You know exactly why. Five stars only because we only give you five star content. And do continue to give the gift of the pod. A lot of you guys have been sharing it with your friends, Tottenham fellow Tottenham fans, football fans. We welcome all. So, um, yeah, do continue to share that. We do appreciate it. We do appreciate it. Andrew, thank you very much for your insights, your balanced views, and your calm demeanour sometimes in the face of some very provocative questions. So, thanks. No, thank you for the banter. The complex and I like your questions I like the way you deliver them <laughs> thank you for staying with us because I know you've had a busy busy weekend and and your insight and your dulcet tones are always welcome <laughs> fans favourite over here 
So thank you very much all. And remember, man, keep smiling because the sun always shines on the south side. In the meantime, Lero, run the outro.